Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Friends Show. Today, I'm joined by Mr. Terence Corrigan. Terence, how are you, sir? I'm okay, Nicholas. I'm okay. Uh, strange days indeed, but this is Mzanzi, and strange days are what we got. Indeed. Uh, now, we may be joined by Saragon uh, later in the podcast. She's currently trying to join, but is having a bit of a connection problem. But uh, we're going to go ahead um, and just hope that she can uh, join us a little bit later. Um, and the first thing I think we need to talk about is the uh, end of the taxi strike in Cape Town. Now, we've talked about it a little bit. So I think we talked about it on, on Monday and also on Friday next week, uh, last week when it, when it sort of began. Uh, things got pretty intense. Uh, people were killed, including some law enforcement officers, at least, or at least one law enforcement officer. Um, buses were burned, trucks were burned, uh, shops began to run out of supplies because of the intimidation of of, uh, of delivery drivers. Uh, lots of people missed school. Lots of people missed work. It was it was grim, um, and it was also grim for the taxi industry, who apparently lost. Uh, I think, according to them, more than 120 million rand in revenue during the strike. So uh, what was the resolution? Well, in my mind, the resolution has been a pretty good one. Uh, the city of Cape Town said that they would not budge on the impounding issue, the impounding of taxis, um, because they said they needed to enforce the law and they needed to protect the lives of people on the roads and not allow unroadworthy vehicles and that kind of thing. Uh, to, to to go through the streets of Cape Town, and it seems as though the taxi has uh, the taxi association Santaco has agreed to that. Um, according to Cape Town Mayor Jordan Hill Lewis, he says, "quote It bears noting that Santaco today accepted the same proposal that the city of Cape Town and the Western Cape government originally put to it on the table last Friday." The tragic implication is that all of the violence, the deplorable loss of life and the damage to property and to our local economy was for naught. Last Friday, everything agreed to do today was on the table when the strike was less than 24 hours old and we could have stopped it then. So according to Jordan Hill Lewis, the uh, negotiation, the, the agreement between the two is that impoundments under the National Land Transportation Act will continue for vehicles without driving without an operating license or on the incorrect route or without a driver's license or which are not roadworthy. They've agreed that the taxi task team, which is a thing that existed before this, um, and according to the Taxi Association, wasn't effective, will further define a list within 14 days of additional major offences in terms of which vehicles will continue to be impounded in the future. This will take the form of a standard operating procedure to guide enforcement staff on the exercise of discretionary power provided for it in the Na uh, National Land Transportation Act. So basically, they're going to very... Uh, specifically define what things will get you impounded um, so that taxi drivers don't have to be worried that the traffic cops are going to be overly harsh. Uh, they say that their focus will be on traffic offences which impact commuter, commuter safety and that these will be targeted as major offences. Um, they also... Uh, have agreed on a list of minor offences which don't have commuter safety implications and will not be impoundable. Um, and then Santaka will be able to appeal to the city if they think a taxi has been impounded unfairly. Um, and the city says that they hope to prove that they're not impounding these things unfairly. Uh, and Santaka has also agreed that they're not going to call a strike in the middle of a working day and that they'll provide 36 hours notice ahead of any planned strike. And there's also now a dispute escalation resolution clause, which will allow Santaco to make their complaints directly heard to the city before things get out of control. Uh, 
So we'll see if this holds, but Terence, to me, this seems like a very positive development. There was violence, there was chaos, there was intimidation. And at the end of the day, the city didn't blink and the violence didn't achieve its stated aims. Um, and I think that that's a very good precedent for South Africa in general. Yeah, look, the um, taxi industry was actually the subject of, a, of an institute study, I think, in the early 90s called No Easy Ride. Um, no walk to freedom, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what it's important to remember about this is that this was an area in which black people were able to become entrepreneurial and to get ahead. So it became very, very uh, competitive and in its early days, very buccaneering. Um, uh, you know, what, 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 what we see today is a, is a sort of miracle of organization compared to, to, uh, to what it was like in the seventies and eighties. Um, but you know, because of because it was so it, it was so competitive, and because you know a lot of it was kind of conducted in very grey spaces, it also got got hooked up with a lot of um, uh, uh, with a lot of violence. And KZN, um, uh, there were also overtones of the feuding between the IFP and the ANC. My late brother actually worked uh, worked as an insurance broker for the for the minibus taxi industry in the early nineties, and he had some hellish stories to to uh, to tell about you know personally being threatened, colleagues being threatened, uh, clients who, you know, got gunned down, whatever. Um, it, it, and I think, you know, because it, because it, it, it occupies both this, uh, uh, this economic niche, uh, but also this, the, the, um, call it the, the mobility connectivity for, for, for most of the population. It's, it's got a huge amount of de facto political power. Remember when the when the uh, Rio Vea was being introduced in Je into Johannesburg, uh, Ubers. Um, I remember uh, when when Jacob Zuma was running for, was running for president. I imagine we're getting to that story soon. Um, he uh, he sort of said, no 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 you know we'll 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 we'll, we'll halt Rio Vea and whatever until we've heard you out. It was quite you know quite quite extraordinary that uh, uh, the industry can kind of do what the mining industry can't do. No, exactly. And not just there. I remember how the taxi industry was very insistent that it get a cut of the Soccer World Cup back in 2010. And sure, yeah. Was, uh, very quick to to agree to those terms. Right. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think that 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 in terms of um, in terms of enforcing some sort of uh, some sort of uh, order, drawing some sort of line in the sand, I'm I'm glad I'm glad the city of the city of Cape Town has done this. You know, I think that one does have to be mindful of the um, uh, of real issues, you know, you you uh, impound or confiscate a taxi. That's not only someone's livelihood, but there's a whole sort of chain chain of reactions. Um, uh, and yes, you know, it's 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 going to it's going to spark a um, spark a response. But it, you know, it's, it it's it seems to me that that the type of um, the type of violent lawlessness that uh, it, it um, attends at least some of the operations of the of, of 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 the taxi industry needs to be needs to be brought to heel, um, and uh, you know, look, uh, uh, Cape Town seems to have um, uh, seems seems to have done have uh, have stepped up here. You know, I hope that 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 the same will be uh, will be seen over time in other um, in other jurisdictions. Look. 
I actually probably think that there may have even been a case for the taxis to have made here. Uh, they could have said, look, here's an incident. Uh, here's some incidences where our taxis were impounded unfairly, and they could have told those stories. Um, right. I presume that there has at least been one case where a taxi was impounded unfairly. Uh, you know, the, the traffic cops aren't perfect. Um, and they could have uh, uh, vociferously protested. They could have made a, a, a very clear point here and said, you know, this is... Yeah, our livelihoods is very important to us, mm. all that, but that's not yeah. the approach that the taxi driving community seems to have taken. <laughs> it took no, no, yeah. Look, it's um, it 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 gets to you know the concept that I find very fascinating, uh, which you call political culture. Um, exactly the way you know we 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 behave as we behave because we behave like that. It's uh, Francis Fukuyama referred to culture as an irrational ethical habit passed on by tradition. Um, right. You know, it's why uh, Germans and Swedes will, you know, in the middle of the night, wait for the light to turn to turn green, even though there's no there's you know, no one else. And you know, we just crash cars into it, um, uh, you know, into in, 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 into traffic lights for offending us. Right, and I, and for me, that that's the key issue here. It's not you know whether taxis are going to be impounded or not. It's that this culture of violence, this culture of intimidation, this culture of you know, we don't get our way, so you're now mm. going to fear for your life. Uh, right, has been right. dealt a blow. And that, I think, is one of the, you know, it's been one of the key things that's held South Africa back uh, over many years now, is that the ANC has, right. as you said, you know, it's really fostered this idea of how, how you interact, how labor or how uh, negotiation should happen between government mm. and citizens or between business and workers. And it has caused a lot of people, people to be killed, and it has done a lot of damage to our economy. Um, and maybe this is the beginning of a change in how things are done. Uh, I, I, I would like to make the point that I made, I think, on Monday, which is that if if we're going to seriously reform South Africa, battles like just happened between the city of Cape Town and the Taxi Association mm. are going to have to be played out across probably almost every single sector of the economy. I think you I think you 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 you're absolutely correct there. Look, let me just let me just make 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 one other point. During the, uh, the July 2021 riots, and I think, as I say, we're about to get onto that one, um, <laughs> the the uh, the taxi industry became a sort of uh, you know a bit of a, a bit of a national darling because you know they were protecting shopping malls and whatever and uh, yes. and well and good, but you know the 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 um, that that culture has its has its dark side. Um, yes. You know that that yes, you know they can uh, they can protect things that 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 match them because they have the power to do so. They can also disrupt things that um, uh, that 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 don't that don't suit them because they have the power to do so. Um, right. You know, and this is yeah. I mean, look, you know, the sort of flexible approach to law which permeates you know not only our society but our but our government, and I'm sure we're getting onto that soon. Yeah, we'll get um, to that now. <laughs> well, you, but you, you, you see the point I'm making here. That um, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, uh, you keep referencing it, so let's get onto that story. And that is, um, to my shock, you know, I speculated that Jacob Zuma would never return from Russia; that he was going to basically <sighs> seek asylum there um, to avoid being imprisoned in South Africa because. Uh, he was found, as, as uh, those of you who haven't been following the news closely, uh, what happened was Jacob Zuma refused to appear at the Zondo Commission. He was found in contempt of court. Uh, 
he then was sentenced to 15 months in jail. He went to jail, was released after, I think it was two months on medical parole. It was then found that the decision to release him on medical parole was irrational or not proper. And that in fact, he hadn't finished serving his sentence. And eventually the correctional services department said, okay, he does have to report to prison. His sentence has not been served. Um, there was a lot of sort of legal limbo about this and the judge who, who said that he hadn't served his, his time, that his parole hadn't been correct, also sort of threw the rugby ball into the hands of correctional services and said, okay, but they make the final decision, which I think was a pretty strange thing to do. Um, but Jacob Zuma suddenly came back from Russia, which I was surprised by. And I thought, I wonder if they told him that he's not really going to be in trouble if he comes back. <laughs> and well, well, well. Uh, so Jacob Zuma reported on uh, this morning to the Correctional Services thing at, at I think, 6 o'clock for processing. And wouldn't you know it, he's just so lucky. He happens to qualify for a new special remissions program, which uh, is is uh, uh, aimed at addressing the overcrowding uh, uh, problem in prisons and will let uh, non-violent offenders out. And so... After being there for about an hour and a half at the at the prison, he was released. Um, uh, Correctional Services Minister Robert Lamola uh, said that he had benefited from this and that the decision to have a special remission was to address overcrowding, not to let the former president off the hook. So Jacob Zuma is once again a free man, and he is apparently not on parole now. This is not part of the parole system. He's just out. Terence, he really does seem to be lucky, doesn't he? <laughs> Well, you know what? Nelson Mandela had a long walk to freedom. It seems Jacob Zuma's was very short, wasn't it? Uh, no, come on. I mean, the, uh, uh, I, 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 I think I have, I have um, uh, used this on the Daily Friend before. There's a wonderful movie starring Michael Caine from the 1970s called Kidnapped about the about the novel uh, novel of Robert Louis Stevenson, the same name. And you got Michael Caine speaking in a Scottish accent, and at one point he says. What do you take me for, a brother and an idiot? <laughs> really? No, um, there was no way he was going to go back to prison. Not going to happen. It, no. Um, there, what, what, I find, what I find disconcerting, though, is that people who, who I think should really know better seem to be buying into this. Uh, uh, Professor Tuli Madonsela, for instance, um, who, you know, the little lady who caused big trouble for him. She said, no, she supports us on the principle of Ubuntu. And the, 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 Can that... I read what Tuli Badansela said? Please, yes, no, do, do so. It's <clears throat> she, said in a, she said in a tweet, I support the remission of former President Zuma's sentence as Ubuntu anchored. The point regarding no one being above the law has been made and the teaching power of the law leveraged. Nothing more could be gained through further incarceration. There's also the fact that his release was the state's mistake. Hashtag. Ubuntu. Yeah, I have a few things I disagree with in that, <laughs> but please go no, ahead. No, you know, uh, no. Actually, I think um, uh, you know, if you want to, if, if if you want to take the sort of ethical or uh, you know humanitarian argument, that's one thing. I disagree with it, but okay, you know that that that's fine. You know, everyone everyone deserves the fifteenth chance. Um, but uh, you know what 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 concerns me here is that um you know she's saying that 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 the principle of e of equality before the law has been has been demonstrated no rubbish um I, you know i wonder how many people sitting in um uh, sitting in prison now you know doing one or two years 
for you know robbery or you know like those things that we are just so inured to now um you, you know uh, could, could also complain about the, the overcrowding and yeah never mind all the people sitting in jail who haven't been tried yet who are there because they can't afford the bail yeah i know exactly look look i mean i um i know of somebody who um this was, was quite some time ago but um he was he was in court for you know something that that he may or may not have done but anyway um he was he was wait, he, he was he was waiting for his for his bail hearing and um you know there was this this old man in front of him who had apparently uh, been caught on a on a train somewhere for having stolen a hundred rand or, or you know something quite quite minor and um the uh you know he said he could prove his family had lived in the same house for six generations and um you know he could he could raise like i think 300 rand bail or whatever it was and the prosecution said no it's fine the magistrate looked at him and said you know theft is a serious crime bail at a thousand so you know this guy you know is like in his 70s no that no there is no equality before the law you see i think i, I think you know in a way, what Zuma did was even worse. Not only is he a public figure and and um, and a leader, but he defied the legal system. Right. That that's uh, what he's serving a sentence here for: contempt of court, contempt of the yeah. highest court in the land, uh, repeatedly. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, um, look, uh, um, in South Africa, we all we all cut full of crime, and I, you know, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the guy who says, yeah, you know, like uh, this is this is this. This is worse than that, but you know, I've got, I've got some sympathy. I, I, I have at some level some sympathy for somebody, you know, who had, who's had a, who's a traumatic and difficult life, and you know, steals or you know, abuses or whatever. I don't, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't, I, I can't find that for somebody, um, uh, for somebody with, with, with Zuma's resources and background, um, who you know, uh, showed a big middle finger to the legal system. Right. Um, I see uh, uh, Sarah joined us for a second there, but her connection seems to have dropped again. So we'll, we'll see if we can get her back. But um, this is just, I mean, all I can, all I can kind of, that's the first thought I had when I read this story. I thought that there was like a cleverer excuse being used to let him out of jail. But uh, this time it's like, oh, come on, guys. Really? Is this really the best you could have done? <laughs> and I, I think, I think there is a, there is a paranoia that somehow Zoom will be able to spark another July riots again. Although, I don't think that's really true. I think the wind has been going out of his sails politically for a while now. Um, possibly, I, I, did, I did see there was a um, uh, there was a there was a news clip that I, I watched on YouTube actually just before joining you here, uh, where a spokesman from the ANC in KwaZulu Natal was saying, "Well, we remember what happened last time, and this is shows that there are these legal gurus who came up with a completely constitutional solution to incarcerate to to you know." to deal with this thorny problem of this revolutionary giant and uh you know we wish him well and we thank president Ramaphosa. no um you, but unfortunately the and this isn't the first time remember shabir sheikh who was on death's doorstep carried out in a, in a stretcher to die until he you know pitched up and you know on on golf courses and apparently like trying to deck someone in the parking lot of his mosque and then yeah, he's still the, not dead <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you know, look, it's 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 
it's a it's a medical mir miracle apparently. Um, and then there was there were uh, there was Tony and Gany. I think he was sent to he was sent to Polsmore, and like two days later, he was then moved to tennis prison somewhere. And uh, the uh, the minister at the time said, "Well, you know, like he he makes sure each prisoner is assigned to the you know to, to the appropriate facility." So apparently, you know, like the night, you know, you go to the nice prison or you go to the horrible prison. Um, no, you know, look, I, I, you know, so, something Nicholas that I do feel I do feel strongly about prison. Take away someone's liberty, you know, maybe throw away the key, but you know, uh, the overcrowding and lousy conditions or whatever that is that is simply not acceptable. Yes, um, you know, so. look at, at the end of the day, all this really tells me i think is that at the uh, is that the the anc government is committed to protecting anc members above all and if, if you are a senior anc member you are effectively immune from the law and i just cannot believe that tuti monacella could have tweeted that or i guess posted that because it's not called twitter anymore it's not called x <laughs> yeah, no, no, there were so many people came up with all sorts of different ideas for what to call tweets, uh, excretions was <laughs> one, one idea, but no, they're just called posts now. Anyway, for, for, for Tulia Modoncela to post that with a straight face, I presume she posted with a straight face. It's just no, look, you know, but, this is and, insulting to all of us. And look, you know, in, 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 in related developments, I understand we are, uh, uh, we are going to amend the, this great republic's code of arms to include a large bunch of bananas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would be appropriate, unfortunately. Um, but I'm sure this is going to go to court, and I'm sure that what the government has done here, and I speak as someone with almost no legal experience or background or understanding, uh, will probably <laughs> be found to be improper in some way. Yeah, uh, sure. But we'll, we'll we'll have to see. I mean, that's 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 speculation for now. But um, that's going to be more court cases, more court cases involving Zuma, and we haven't even finished with the corruption one yet. Oh yeah. Anyway, let's move on to our last story for today. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to get Sarah back, unfortunately. But uh, this is an opinion piece by Tony Leon. And the title is Coalition Politics, When to Do a Deal with the Devil? Question mark. So he talks about, in this, in this opinion piece, Tony talks about how he went to Israel um, to uh, look at what was going on there. And uh, Israel has had this major constitutional crisis now where there's... Uh, a big dispute over the power of the Israeli Supreme Court and whether it should be allowed to effectively block the the Knesset, the, the parliament there. Won't go too much into the details there, but the, the idea here is that um, the current government of Israel is a pretty sort of extremist, right-leaning one. It's got uh, some of these quite small, uh, hardline religious uh, parties in it. Um, and Bibi Netanyahu, the current prime minister, only basically went to bed with these parties because the sort of centrist opposition made it their central campaign platform that he was the enemy, that he was the devil, and that they wouldn't do any business with him, that he was terrible. And they had legitimate complaints um, about uh, Netanyahu's conduct and, and particularly towards you know sort of members of his cabinet. There's a reason why a lot of people who have worked with Netanyahu, uh, fellow politicians, have fallen out with him. Uh, but basically, the criticism here is that the opposition refused to do a deal with the devil. And as a result, they found themselves facing a much worse opponent, which was a much more hardline government that was trying to change the constitutional order of Israel. And he compares this to South Africa. He says that, um, you know, uh, 
quote, of course, for both the ANC and DA, it will be extremely difficult to convince their respective electorates that their primary enemy is now the coalition partner. And the devil here, beyond supping with them, will be in the detail of such an arrangement. So basically, Tony here is saying that there may come a situation where, in his eyes, it's just straight up better for the DA and ANC to be in a coalition rather than the ANC and the EFF, right? This is an argument that we've heard many times. Um, it's one that the, the, the DA has refused to kind of really talk about. They say, look, our focus is on getting the ANC out. We don't want to form any coalition with them, that kind of thing. But we, we talked on Monday about how Adrian Basson is very much pushing this idea. He calls it the grand coalition. Um, Leon goes on to say, quote, there is very seldom a perfect set of alternatives on offer, one irrevocably evil and the other pristine in its perfection. Life and politics are messy and a compromising business. Leadership is all about weighing the options and choosing the better alternative. And as between ANC and EFF on one hand and ANCDA on the other, the choice is perfectly clear. So I think there's a lot to be said to kind of unpack this one. Um, I think that his column is very good. I think that it's 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 he's, he's picked out a very interesting similarity um, and the consequences, the unforeseen consequences that can happen. But Terence, I don't know about you, but I'm still extremely skeptical of the idea because I think the problem here is that there is there will be no such thing as a functional ANC DA coalition. They don't agree on policies. The ANC has filled the government with cadres, uh, which the DA will not be able to fire. And I suspect that the result of any coalition between the two would probably just be the destruction of the DA, at which point we can then get an ANC-EFF coalition. Or, you know, maybe there will be a new party that pops up, but who knows what that would be like. And that, that's not necessarily, uh, particularly if you're more keen on sort of centrist politics, that, that you know, an ANC-DA coalition is not going to make the country more centrist, I think. Um, what do you make yeah. of what Leon says here? Look, I think that 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 um, uh, Tony Leon has the great virtue of having been a practicing politician, but also having a um, having a very sharp analytical mind, and you know, and a very this, successful one too. Yeah, look, and you know, I think this is something that even people who dislike him will concede. Um, and I think what he's done is essentially say the unsayable. Um, that uh, and yeah, I this is. This is kind of an existential question. I think if we find ourselves in a situation where, say, the ANC was at forty-five, and uh, the the minor parties couldn't couldn't make it up, I think that's that that would be where the ANC would want to go. Um, and as 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 he says, it's highly unlikely we'll be in a situation where the ANC is anything other than the largest party. So let's take that as an assumption. And if the choice then is between the DA and the EFF, the DA is essentially damned if it does and damned if it doesn't. Because on the one hand, it, it would have to explain to its to a nervous constituency, people who are more affluent, um, uh, more concerned, disproportionately from the racial minorities, why it allowed, you know, why it didn't stand in the way of this kind of uh, this kind of uh, race, race nationalist um, uh, uh, kleptocratic confluence. If it does, then it's going to it's going to spend you know the next five years justifying it, go and go into an election with the country still hobbled, because for the reasons you say, um, it 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 would have office but severely restricted power as a junior partner, and then you know what is what what is your appeal then? Um, 
And I, I think uh, Tony kind of flags that by saying that, yeah. you know, the devil would be in the details, as he puts it. Um, yeah. I'm just not sure if anyone would agree to the kind of details that would make such a thing functional. Mm. So, yeah. so so my... I, I want to... <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know, I feel uncomfortable doing this, but I'm going to talk up the ANC EFF coalition option. In that, <laughs> one could, one could see a plausible scenario where it is very dysfunctional. The mm. EFF is constantly making more demands. The ANC is terrified because they know that the EFF is going to be trying to take them over from the inside, and so uh, you have a government which is only barely holding together. You know, maybe right. Julius Malema is the deputy president, but this thing is very on very shaky ground. And in such an op in such an environment, an opposition party or the united opposition altogether uh, would be, I think, in a position if it played its cards right, and that's a very big if, uh, to exploit these divisions, to block pieces of toxic legislation, and to basically just gum up the works and hold the line till 2029 when they can take another go at breaking things. Now, that's also not a great... <laughs> You know, we're not living in a great world there. Um, but I do think that the assumption that uh, an EFF-ANC coalition would immediately send us down the path of uh, President Julius is a bit of a tenuous one. I don't know. Am I being too uh, relaxed about such a proposition, Terence? No, look, I, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying and this is like a machine with with uh, an enormous number of working parts many of which don't work properly so um yeah. look you know I, th I i think that 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 what you spell out is indeed a um uh, a possibility provided at least some of some of the institutions hold you know if if right. we actually do have if we do have an election in 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 2029 you know look another, another possibility is an anc eff coalition takes power you then have a sort of vengeful uh you know minister of justice call Niehaus or whatever going after Ramaphosa. that you know freaks freaks out parts of the anc uh you know maybe some for principled reasons many i think you know for purely self-interested reasons that they you know, think the guns are now trained on them. You know, would they then perhaps consider some sort of cope light breakaway or at least, uh, you know, par parliamentary rebellions? Right. And you, you can always, like, change your mind, actually. <laughs> Everyone can change their mind halfway through, um, mm -hmm. which is not ideal, but it is it is still a possibility. We're not sort of locked into one course of action uh, once it's chosen, um, which is, is, I think, worth remind uh, remembering. But... Well, you can kind of imagine, I mean, it's really going to get up the ANC's nose. Let's say the ANC gets, I don't know, 43% of the votes. This is a random number plucked up in my head. And the EFF gets yeah. 13. Right. Can you imagine how it's going to really annoy the ANC to have to give so many concessions, which Julius will no doubt demand, as is his style, um, yes. to this party that is much smaller? I I can. I feel that would be a very difficult position to be in, especially if uh, Robert Pauza is replaced as leader of the ANC by someone like I don't know Mbalula. <laughs> well, yeah. Look, I mean, I think I, I, I think that 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 would almost be almost no, well, that would be farcical. Um, yeah. Look, is there is there perhaps a, a, a perhaps a situation where the ANC tries to? 
um, tries to continue as a minority government with a kind of confidence and supply agreement. Um, I, you know, I don't think that it has the um, that it has the political repertoire to do that. I think, you know, I, I think that that yeah, to to um, uh, to be able to sort of ma you know manage you know uh, kingmakers, it's, it's uh, after 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 nearly thirty years of dominance, it's a it's a it's a big ask, you know, a party that that yeah. you know, I believe has a kind of moral right to rule. Um, no, definitely. Um, and the consequence, yeah, I, I think I think as you say, this is a machine with many working parts, and there is not a single option currently on the table. I think that's realistic, which doesn't involve a huge amount of peril. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think I think Tony is very correct to point that out that there are no good options here. Uh, but anyway, that's all the all the time we have for today. So thank you very much for listening. Um, uh, apologies from Sara, who couldn't make it on. Uh, but uh, I hope that everyone has a great weekend, and we will be back next week with the Daily French Show. Cheers, everyone. Mm -hmm.